Hey everyone, welcome to Digging In, Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast. This is Garrett Hawkins, and I am thrilled uh, this week to be joined by Eric Burleson, a current state senator from Southwest Missouri and the Republican nominee uh, for the 7th Congressional District seat. So Eric, uh, welcome to Digging In. How's everything going? It's going good, Garrett. Thanks for having me. I think um, you and I share a, I think you, you and I uniquely share an honor in that we're the two people <laughs> who have received the pie off award, which is, <laughs> which, is so, a, which is a strange, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just, it's funny that that's where you start, Eric, because I was going to put that as a part of your introduction, and I appreciate that. So full disclosure background for our listeners, um, our young farmers and ranchers in southwest Missouri have held an event each fall called the Southwest Shindig. And one of the sub-events, I guess, at this big, uh, essentially, afternoon and evening festival uh, is a pie-off to raise money for the Missouri Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture. Last year, I received a pie to the face, and this year, uh, State Senator Eric Burleson did. So you're right, Eric. I really appreciate you uh, noting that we share that bond, and I have to hand it to your daughter worked the crowd really, really well to raise money for such a good cause. So please uh, give my thanks to her as well. Yeah, that's, I will. Um, <laughs> that gives people an idea of my life is that I've got a, a 14 year old and a 12 year old daughters, both of them, you know, 14 and 12, but they're going on 30. And they're now at this age where they, you know, I know nothing, but the one thing that they enjoyed when they found out that I could potentially get a pie to the face, uh, they went to extra efforts to try to raise money. And they took my can over and tried to raise money and they did a good job. I think raised almost $150 in my can to ensure that their dad got a pie in the face. <laughs> well, it was enjoyed by all, Eric. So thank you for being a good sport for a good cause. So, you know, you, you've said about your daughters, but just maybe just give our listeners a little bit more about your background for those of you that that maybe don't know you or maybe they farm up in Northeast Missouri and haven't had the chance to, to really get to know your career um, in public in the public space. Yeah, I'll try to be quick because and not be boring, but I'm I'm a fairly boring guy. I grew up in Southwest Missouri, was very blessed to have a Christian upbringing and um, went to Southwest Missouri State, graduated in the business area of a master's in business administration and worked right out of college. I graduated in the late nineties, early two thousands when everything was internet. And so I got a, I got a job working in, in healthcare, in the IT industry, in an IT department and have worked for Cerner, a software company out of Kansas City. And today I work at Oracle as a consultant and I'm also a financial advisor. I have a wife, Angie. Um, we've been married almost 20 years and we have two daughters, Reese and Aubrey. And so, um, yeah, that's, um, and I try to raise my family the, with the values that I was raised with, that, you know, when the doors of the church are open, you're there and your neighbor needs help, that, 
you provide the charity, not government provide the charity. And that uh, work, hard work is, is how you achieve your dreams, not by, not by, um, by government handouts. And so that's, that's me. Well, that is pretty succinct. You've got, you've got your elevator speech down. So <laughs> Eric, I'm curious, thinking of elevator speech, what is your why for, for getting into uh, the race for the seventh congressional district? Um, to me, it's, if it, it's this idea that public service is just something in politics, something I've never been able to escape from ever since I was a preteen. I, I, have uh, am very passionate about my faith and the role of our faith in, in government. And so I've served in some way, way, most of my life, I was a volunteer. So I've just really got behind candidates and, and issues that I passionately believed in. I think the pro-life issue was one that I early, um, early on got involved with and, and volunteered for um, candidates like um, Matt Blunt was and Norma Champion, if you remember Norma, were people that I early on got behind and volunteered for and helped get elected. And then at one point, it just became an opportunity for myself working virtually. Most of my career, I'm able to work virtually, which has been a real blessing. And because I can do that, whether I'm in the halls of Jefferson City or at home, I found that as a great opportunity to be able to have one foot in the public public space and one foot in the private. And um, this running for U.S. Congress is, you know, most of the things that we fight against and the things that we're trying to do at the state level is all this is all because of the sludge that's coming downhill from Washington D.C. And I've been punching up for a long time, whether it's fighting against the the debt or fighting against all the EPA regulations and over over regulations from the federal government. So it's there when an opportunity to, to instead punch directly at the administrations. And I'm excited to be the nominee for the Republican Party. All right. We so Eric, you've given me a little bit of a teaser, maybe a window into if elected, what more specifically would you say will be your priorities? I mean, clearly, I think taking on government overreach, I'm hearing a theme there, but what else? Yeah, I think um, really kind of reining in the bureaucracy, um, controlling spending and focusing what money that we are spending on the right things. You know, we need to focus on our defense, on our infrastructure, and things that make America stronger than our than our enemies, and even really our allies. Right? We, the world is safer when America is strong, but when we throw money at bad things, and that, and then continue to push ourselves into debt because of the through the bad expenditures, that's that's what's really foolish about things that we're seeing in America. It would be one thing if we were spending those dollars on infrastructure, on improving our roads, our bridges, our ports, our borders, that, you know, it would be one thing, but that's not what we're spending our money on. We're, we're, in my opinion, we're blowing money on a lot of this wasteful welfare programs 
and entitlement programs, and it needs to be it needs to be rectified. And in addition, we are really harming businesses, whether they're large businesses or small businesses or farmers. And that's one thing that I became aware of more so re- recently than ever is the impact that the government, the federal government has on on the farmers in this state is unbelievable. And it's one thing that I, I was going to be easy and, and just a no brainer to fight the EPA to advocate for better energy policies because it, these energy costs are har- harming all of us. So Eric, I'm guessing as you travel the district, people are, are talking to you about crushing inflation, failed energy policy, uh, <laughs> government overreach. I mean, what am I missing? Because that's certainly everywhere I go. Those are the things that people are talking about. Yes, I absolutely. I just left, had a meeting with um, one of the a quarry operation in Southwest Missouri, and they 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 told me exactly the same thing that they're overly regulated. They're probably the most regulated industry in their minds. And, and they're, they're being slammed with fuel costs, you know, to run those heavy machines takes hundreds of gallons of fuel. So you can imagine the impact on their, on their out, on their expenses. And all of that has to translate to the costs of the asphalt and concrete that are coming out of the, that quarry. So when we complain about the costs of, of all of our infrastructure, or whether or not you as an individual, I, for example, I've got to pay to put a concrete driveway in at, at my house. And, and all of that feeds down to me. So when Joe Biden doesn't allow for oil exploration and gas prices go through the roof and those heavy machines have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars more a day, then that thousands of dollars more a day gets transferred to, to me, the consumer, or to you, the consumer. And this is something that is unnecessary. We could be allowing for oil exploration. We could be allowing for the United States to be a strong um, country where we, where we are a net supplier of energy as opposed to being dependent upon these four nations. And it's something that's got to be fixed. Well, we appreciate that. You know, for a long time, Farm Bureau has beat the drum for, you know, an all of the above energy policy. It wasn't too long ago that we did have an all of the above pro-America energy policy and how quickly we've seen that change. And we appreciate hearing that you are anxious, like all the rest of us, to return to, to that. I'd also say you're well aware of the intersection of energy policy with property rights. Um, you know, you've been involved in discussions uh, around balancing energy security with property rights, and we're seeing more and more efforts to to skew energy policy to one set uh, of energy sources to the demise of the rest. And you also, to do so, have to have new high voltage transmission lines running the country to to move this new green power. So I just I want our listeners to know that we appreciate your involvement this past legislative session to stand up for property rights. You know what really, I guess for you, what were some of the takeaways from being involved in that discussion, Eric? 
Uh, I, thanks for mentioning this. It, it to me, it was um, it was absurd. To me, property uh, property rights are one of the most important fundamental parts of um, the fabric of America. Period. End of sentence. Uh, if we don't protect property rights, we will see we will see wealth e uh, erode completely in this nation. And and I'm, I feel very very passionate about this because when you look at other countries that are in poverty, places like um, all like Sudan, other places in Africa or in Haiti, the, these are places where there's no legal or in, in any potential respect for property owners' rights, and or the wealth that someone might generate from the property that they that they own, and if and what we know is that if if you can uphold and protect someone's property and they know that 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 property is protected, that the amount of work that they put into their property uh, to produce you know, whether it's crops or, or if you're, whether you're in animal agriculture, whatever it is that you're trying to do, that you won't have your property stolen from you, whether by your neighbor or some criminal element or by government in high taxation, we know that that's the places on the planet where wealth is produced because people have certainty as to their land, that they're going to own it and that what they produce is going to be owned by them. But if there's if it's uncertain, then people won't do anything. And so, to me, a lot, the use of eminent domain, or in this case, the abuse of eminent domain, is just a is just a government way of of or people other people using government as the bully to take away uh, property from people from private landowners. And, and all in the name of this green new energy and green new deal. And the, and what I would hear them argue about this, they, their attitude was so, so patronizing to farmers when they would say, well, we're not harming your ability to have, you can keep your land. We're just going to run these atrocious high lines through your property. You know, I think a lot of my, a lot of the people that supported it in the building I don't think they had a clue what these high power lines look like. Or, you know, if you imagine you, I would just try to say, put yourself in, in the shoes of a family that's had a farm in, in their family for generations. And now you want to run basically Eiffel Towers across their property and with power lines running through it. And you don't think that that's a, you, you, you're changing the landscape of family owned businesses. Um, I, I, to me, it was just, it was appalling. And so I was happy to take the side of the of property rights owners and the farmers um, because it, it, it really is not appropriate. It's not an appropriate use of eminent domain at all. Well, we appreciated your help during session and, you know, we, we, we worked really hard to paint the picture as what's to come. And, you know, it's important for folks to know that we're not, anti-green energy. But what we do expect is for our nation to have a comprehensive energy policy. And let's have an honest discussion. And the reality is um, 
more wind and solar means more high voltage transmission projects. And, and what the legislature did ultimately was ensure that Missouri is not just wide open and fully exposed, that there has to be a benefit to Missouri and, and it at least gives us a place from which we can build uh, the policy discussion. So again, thank you uh, for that. Um, truly, it was a step in the right direction this past session. So, so thank you. You know, I should mention while we're on property rights, Supreme Court, this this session of the Supreme Court, you know, if you're in D.C., you'll have the chance to 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 be a part of friend of the court briefs on key issues. You know, this session of the Supreme Court were teed up on a property rights case. The Sackett family from the from out west has been embroiled in, in regulatory red tape over waters of the U.S. <laughs> uh, over a wetlands issue for about a decade. So that's going to be heard. Now, I just I really appreciate Eric what you're talking about property rights because we're seeing an assault on property rights from from every direction, and I'm certain that you hear that from constituents in Southwest Missouri as you make the rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Or even, and, and it's from, you're right, it's from all directions. Um, we even have, I, I get calls from farmers who say that they want to run, use eminent domain, or they're threatening to condemn their property so they can run a greenway trail through their, through their cattle field. You know, that's, it's, there's some crazy things like this where uh, you just, environmentalists or leftists just they see they see your land and then they become envious right they they're green with envy over what they can do with your land and it's just not appropriate whatsoever well what else what else is on your mind what do you want uh, farmers and ranchers to know in this home stretch of this campaign period yeah you know i think the other thing that i want people to know that in touring and going through Southwest Missouri, I want people to know that I recognize and, re and realize the importance of, of agriculture, especially in the seventh district. It's something that's going to be a key part of, of my, you know, maintaining the constituency. And we're going to have people on staff. We're, even though I'm not allowed necessarily legally to um, hire anybody, we're certainly um, we're certainly keeping our ears open for people and, and trying to um, get to know people that might be good candidates to work in my office and represent me through the 7th District that have strong agriculture backgrounds. Um, and you, you've known some of those names, Garrett, that we've kind of thrown around. And, and so to me, that's a huge part of, of being the congressman from this district is, is, is focusing on agriculture and making sure that you are listening, touring the different areas and, and trying to understand every aspect of, of people that are running these small businesses. Just recently, I uh, visited uh, Mr. Mooney's dairy farm. That was great to spend time with him. He's a, a national leader. And um, it's good are, to you, are you completely briefed up on all things dairy now, Eric? <laughs> well, got I got a good afternoon and, and got to spend time with him, and it was good. It was great. Randy is a wealth of knowledge, wealth of knowledge. So that's awesome that you spent time with him. Well, it's such an honor that such a key national um, player lives in the district. It's really a, a real blessing. <laughs>
Well, as you continue to tour the district, you're going to find that there's a wealth of knowledge. You know, you well know Southwest Missouri truly has such diversity when it comes to ag production, as well as size of farm, size of farms, just a tremendous powerhouse in livestock and poultry production, as well as poultry processing. It's such a great district, such a great district. So you're not going to, to be at a loss for finding ag and rural expertise. And I'm sure there are lots of folks, you know, uh, that'll be more than happy to give you um, a few cents worth of, of info or, or maybe even more, maybe a dollar's worth of perspective. Because um, certainly people, you know, the issues are tough right now and, and our elected officials have their work cut out for them in, in trying to do a course correction. But I can sense the excitement in your voice. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm. I mean, the one thing that was really great about campaigning is being renewed by by visiting all of these great counties in Southwest Missouri, uh, especially getting out of the city, getting away from the city of Springfield. Is I mean, city of Springfield is great, but getting out and about and getting out where you realize that um, it's, it's in the rural parts of our state where people still respect believe in God, they still respect and stand for the flag and they take care of their neighbors and they work and they're still working hard. And that to me is, those are the values that we want to keep and hold dear and, and pass to the next generations. And that was inspiring to me to see that that is alive and well in out in the rural parts of the state and in the rural parts of the seventh district. So you see all the craziness of, of the stuff that's happening on TV but that I'm telling you, Garrett, you know this, like that is not, that's not uh, Missouri. And that's, that's inspiring. Yep. You're right. And, you know, Eric, the, the, the things that we've talked about today and getting to the person that you are, the leader that you are, um, that's exactly why our PAC trustees and the seventh district, you know, gave their endorsement of your candidacy. So very glad to for Missouri Farm Bureau's Farm Pact to stand with you. And uh, certainly, you know, I know I have no doubt that you're going to keep working hard in the home stretch. How many days till election? We have 20, about, I don't know, about 15 days left. Okay. <laughs> I'm just um, <laughs> day to day. I, I basically wake up every day and just look at my calendar and then try to dress accordingly and try to get everywhere I can. <laughs> so it's well, been, it has been a whirlwind and, and the, I'm there. The tape is close so I can see the end. It's, it'll be here shortly. Well, keep working hard. Uh, we appreciate that you uh, have such a good feel for what's on people's minds. And, and so, so thank you for, for what you're doing. Thank you for your record in the state Senate. Um, and thank you for your interest in public service, your willingness to, to raise your hand and say, you know what, I'm willing to, to work with others to tackle the tough issues. So wish you and your family the best in this home stretch and look forward, forward to visiting with you again sometime in the near future. Awesome. Looking forward to it, Garrett. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Digging In. Look forward to catching up with you all again soon. Take care.